Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. It is two weeks from Easter. We are reading John's Gospel today, 19, 1 through 16a. Thanks for listening. Share this message with someone. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It has been a busy weekend. A little worn out. We were guests at a wedding last night. We were here at the church working. It's been a pretty intense week all around, and you know, especially for the kids with school and homework, they got a lot going on. It was high school prom this week in our house anyway. Projects and more. We're trying to keep everybody healthy. Let's get past the disease and the sickness and the illness and the colds and the allergies and all that stuff. Mom is finishing up her final a uh, few weeks before graduating with her bachelor's degree in human and family development. Yeah. Working many hours on top of that. Yeah. It's nearly Easter and church activities keep me jumping. And these kids, they work hard to get our attention. Their voices are powerful. When we're young, I think we, we know parents and guardians, they have all the power. So, or so they think. Uh, but when we're kids, you know, we, we need to get their attention. We need a little bit of that power to get what we need. Better to say they have control, maybe. Control of what we eat and when we sleep and where we go and what we wear. So with four kids in our house, some have more power than others. More independence. Maybe we feel like we're losing control all the time, all the time. Yeah. Um, but these kids, all the kids... They are struggling to get what they need, so they need us. They're still finding ways to use the power that they have, to use their voices, to care for themselves, to entertain themselves, and get things done in our house. In our house, like in all households, there are power dynamics at play. Some things, of course, were completely powerless. When spring colds and allergies show up, we must stop what we're doing to care for a sick child. Pick them up from school. Bring them home. Get grandpa to come over and watch them. No COVID, just a cold. But living for two years during a global pandemic has taught us that there are many things that are beyond our control. We've shut down schools and businesses and restricted travel, tried to reduce the spread of disease with masks and vaccines. A little virus took over for a while and revealed to us how limited our power can be at times. And still we're watching the news to see what's next. As we hear Psalm 146 remind us of the extent of God's power, the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and all the creatures, God creates the power of creation to create life. The Lord executes justice, gives food to the hungry, sets prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind, watches over strangers, cares for widows and orphans, and, oh yeah, brings the way of the wicked to ruin. All these things are in God's power portfolio. But we, and the culture we live in, we attribute most of these duties to the powers of the world. Governments and municipalities, when we are oppressed or we witness people going hungry or lacking justice, do we look to God? 
or to the ones who seem to be in some position of power in our city, our state, our nation. Maybe not an either or, maybe both, I hope. Yes, we advocate for those in need. We advocate on their behalf. We speak out and we hope against all hope that the powerful ones would use the power they have to help rather than control, rather than hoard power and protect themselves at the expense of the people. We just heard in the news this weekend that uh, it was a former UN prosecutor calling for the president of Russia to be arrested and tried for war crimes in Ukraine, including the intentional bombing of civilian buildings, use of mass graves, and shooting and torturing prisoners. We call these crimes against humanity. What will come of this? Who has power to bring in this world leader gone rogue? At this point, it feels like scorp keeping. We must build the case, right? And how the invasion will end is still unknown and still so many suffer. So we may believe, we pray that God will bring Putin's unjust plans to ruin. And what do we do in the meantime? Where do we turn? Who's got real power to help and save? We feel powerless too. From the beginning of this gospel of John, we've heard about God's power. We've heard the power of God is present in the world. Remember? The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God was in the world, but what would God do with the powers of the world? Jesus went around teaching and showing signs of power, demonstrating it, turning water into wine. Check. Healing disease, yes. Walking on water, feeding people, even bringing his dead friend Lazarus back to life. Jesus was showing the true power of God in the world. Made those who held world power fearful. Put him at risk. Pilate, we hear in the story today, was afraid when he heard Jesus had claimed to be the son of God. If this was true, power was at risk for Pilate. He could lose control. And the town, full of faithful people there to celebrate the Passover, he didn't want to lose control then, especially. And to lose control would mean disaster for Pilate, for the emperor to whom he was accountable. And the Jewish leaders must have been afraid, too. If Pilate would not accommodate their request... Jesus could cause an uproar among the people who were following him, and their power would be at risk too. They could lose control. But who really has power? Who has power in this story? Who has power in our world? Not me. Uh, I know when bedtime comes, and the kitchen is cleaned up, and I give the command, time to brush teeth. I, I only have to say it like 29 or 30 times. It's... Fine. The kids know this is their cue. Find a snack. Find a toy. Dig out a game. Go hide in the backyard. Anything to get out of bedtime. To stall. I recognize it now. I'm a pro. The kitchen is closed, I decree. And they overpower me. A piece of toast, a banana, an apple. Finally, I can rally them. To get off to bed, my vulgar display of power amounts to nothing. 
for you. <laughs> and I'm exhausted at the end of the night. We heard last week that the Jewish leaders were using their power to bring Jesus to Pilate. And they remind Pilate of his duty to the emperor, whose power looms over this entire episode, even though he's not present, right? The religious leaders have made up their minds, and they want this governor, Pilate, to crucify Jesus, a punishment reserved for Roman citizens, which Jesus is not, or rebels, a crime of which Jesus has not been explicitly accused. Pilate doesn't know what to do. Finally gives in, has him beaten, the soldiers there, they guard Jesus and they use their power to mock him. They dress him up as a king, wearing a crown made of thorns, watching him bleed, showing how human he really is. Well, we've already been told, go back to the first chapter again, that he came to what was his own. And his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. That's power. That's really powerful. And I want to say that changes everything for us. Because the chief priests cry out, crucify him before Pilate. Jesus is not recognized as powerful. Because he doesn't resemble an image of one who brings justice, who casts out the wicked with a sword, with weapons, with troops. He doesn't resemble our image of that either. When even in his weakest moments, Jesus is truly this righteous ruler, the judge who has the real power to give life, even bring life from death. In John's gospel, the ones who fail to recognize Jesus bring on judgment themselves. The ones who know him witness. They go and tell. Remember the stories we've heard them, the royal official. The man born blind, the woman at the well, they recognize him. They've felt his power in them. And they can see that he is the power of God in the world. Pilate tries to witness to his own power, but Jesus tells him, you would have no power over me unless it were given to you from anothen, unless it came from above. This, this Greek word anothen can mean from above, but also can mean from the first, from the beginning. We heard that in the beginning of this gospel too. Jesus was in the beginning with God, was God. That's where Jesus is from. That's where the power that Jesus has is from, from the beginning, from God, from above. Jesus knows the source of power and indeed is the power in the world of God. Jesus is from above the Son of God who bleeds under a crown of thorns, fully human, fully divine. Jesus is the same God who gives us power through the Holy Spirit. The one condemned to die for us is from above and still steps into the world to bleed like us, to be harassed like us, and punished like us, and condemned like us. But he is the word. He is truth. He is the way for us. 
He feeds us and heals us and gives us back our sight so that we can see him and recognize him in the world, to see what God is really doing with real power. Because Jesus didn't come into our world with the power of God to control us, but to liberate us, to set us free in his life and ministry. We see it. Jesus carried God's real power of grace into the places where people were hurting, into places where people would hurt him, where they would not know or recognize him, a world controlled by fear and death and destruction, perpetrated by individuals holding on to some tentative power. The world condemned him as a radical, as an outsider, as an insurgent, and we wouldn't speak up for him either testify to the truth in him, or even admit that we knew him. The heavenly king who would bring healing and peace to those in need of help, to those under the fists of rulers, ones waging war in order to increase their power. Now, Jesus' kingship, Jesus' real power, the power of God comes from anothen, from above, from God who creates, who gracefully gives life and breath and forgiveness and love for us every moment of every day with every breath. So when we hear this word, life and love, and we believe, we recognize Jesus is in our world. Jesus is with us. Jesus is love and healing and peace. And we know he's with us. And when we recognize this power in the world, we go and we tell, don't you want to tell somebody about this power in your life and the way that it's made you new, helped you to see, put you at peace when things are crazy all around us. So we believe and we recognize Jesus and we go when we witness and we tell the story and we invite others, invite them to Easter, two weeks We share faith with our children and our families and move forward with faithful imagination, imagining what we can be now that we have been liberated, that we have been made new. What can we be now? We try to see the world the way God sees it, worthy of love and attention and care. And even when the powers that be in the world try to condemn peace, try to shackle love, and attempt to legislate division, we will not be afraid. We're not going to be controlled by fear. Because we recognize where true power lies, the power of grace. God's love is already loose in the world. It cannot be contained. And even though he was sent to be crucified, we know the end of the story. Spoiler alert. Love and peace and service and gratitude, forgiveness and promise are risen from the grave. And the real power rises with them. Amen.